happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello, and welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name is Caitlin Durante. And I'm Jamie Loftus. And we talk about the portrayal of women in movies. In life, but mostly on this podcast. Actually, that's maybe maybe it's an even split at this point. Yeah, we're always texting each other, being like, hey, did you see this movie? What do you think? About yeah. And it? usually I'm like, I didn't see it. And then <laughs> you're like, okay, let's hang out. Yeah. That's fun. That's a nice little friendship. Yeah, it's really, really wonderful. That's good. Um, so we use the Bechtel test, a test invented by cartoonist Alison Bechtel. So we use the Bechtel test as a jumping off point mm. to uh, take a look at some of your favorite movies. Our definition of that is a uh, scene in a piece of media must include two female identifying characters with names who talk about something other than a man for more than two lines of dialogue. Mm-hmm. You think it would be easy. You would think. And, and yet... yet- you know what would be interesting is to, like, crunch, like, one of those AFI lists or something and figure out how many of those movies actually uh, have. Ooh, I bet it's, like, 20% or less. That seems reasonable. Yeah. I also, there was something someone tweeted us this morning, and well, then we'll get into the, the episode, I promise, but uh, someone had just listened to our Bend It Like Beckham episode, mm. and they tweeted this stray thought that's really been haunting me, Ooh. which is like, well, what a season to be haunt, feeling haunted. Yeah, I've got a segue in mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, but he, he tweeted at us that he could think off the top of his head more sports movies that starred animals than starred human women. Yeah. Oh, I think we talk about that in that episode. Maybe he was just quoting us. Maybe he- we're geniuses. <laughs> but I was like, oh my God, he's so smart. Maybe we're so smart. Right. Remember because we talked about like Air Bud and then various Air Bud spinoffs. My favorite MVP, Most Valuable Primate. Yes. Uh, the hockey movie. <laughs> I love that one. Uh-huh. Oh, God. you. I mean, you say that and then you're like, but I do want to see a monkey play a goalie. So mm-hmm. I guess we just need more movies with women and more movies with animals and less movies with men. That's what I meant. True. Yes. 
And, Anyways, and speaking of uh, you know being horrified at the representation thought of you. women yes. in film, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Where well, you go with this? Oh, uh, <laughs> let's uh, go shopping. Is what I was going to suggest. Uh, women be shopping. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yes, let us talk about the movie we're here to talk about today. But first, yes. why don't we introduce our guest? Yes, she is a writer on Thundercats Roar on Cartoon Network, also a writer on Yabba Dabba Dinosaurs on Boomerang, and performs regularly at UCB LA. Joan Ford. Hi, guys. Thank you Hello. for having me. Hi, say Next year. All those shows will be out next year. Yeah, so be on the lookout. Look out. Don't stop looking out. Never stop. Have your TV tuned to Cartoon Network 24-7. Keep your eyes peeled. Stay yes. in your perch. Yes. Your little crow's nest, nest, Titanic. Yes. <laughs> Keep your eyes on the horizon for new media. My my mom always used to say to me when I was younger to be alert and aware, which I think both applies to, you know. Cartoon shows that I wrote on specifically. And in the year 2019. Yes, yes. (laughs) Only then. But she was also like, you know, stay safe. Be aware of your surroundings Mm. and be alert, which applies to horror movies too. I agree, yes. (laughs) You're like, you've got 19 different segues locked and loaded today. It's my segue of life. Yeah, you're like Paul Blart because you love segues. <laughs> oh, that got me good. Okay. They should come up with a new Paul Blart where he gets into birds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. The Pratt Falls Paul Blart yeah. would do off a bird scooter, I mm. tell you. Yeah. Uh, not to encourage more movies starring <laughs> Kevin James. Right. Although, maybe yeah. it's time for like a female Paul Blart. Maybe it's time to gender, sw- gender swap where that franchise. Is All female Paul 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 Blart. Paula Blart. Paula Blart. <laughs> Paula Blart. Yes. <laughs> Kind oh. of unbelievable. Yeah, that that we're the first person to think of that. I feel like a high school that's already was like a high schooler's YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if Paula Blart? Mm. Um, yeah. And so wait, what's the movie today? <laughs> well, speaking of strong female protagonists, <laughs> we're talking about Scream. The first one, directed by ah, Wes Anderson from 1996. No, nope. nope, wait. What did back, I say? Wes Anderson. Anderson. That is, someone has made that YouTube video, Wes Anderson Scream. Wes Anderson Just scream. a lot of very center of frame oh, murders no. and phone calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really I'm literally s- looking at the name Craven right in front of me, and yeah. I still said Wes Anderson. It's okay. No. To be fair, it's a silly last name. Yeah, that a horror master should be so Craven. That's, it's, it, yeah. <laughs> there was already a fake trailer of Paula Blart released where Melissa McCarthy, you know, oh, it, well. someone got there. We're and, behind uh, the times. McCarthy was a pass, if you can believe. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so we're what we are talking about is Scream, directed by Wes Craven. Craven. Joan, what is your history, your relationship with this movie? Oh my gosh. Well, um, I, I hate talking about this because I'm going to date myself, but I was very much like the target audience for this movie when mm-hmm. it came out. Mm-hmm. I was, it, this actually came out on like the weekend of my like 16th birthday. Ooh. Oh my God. Um, okay, so can I take us all back to like winter Please. of 1996? Yes. So I don't know if like people realize this now, especially if they like kind of like came up like after the movie, but like it wasn't just that like Scream was like not expected to do well it was like expected to like bomb oh like they buried that movie because that winter like it came out the same weekend that like all these big christmas movies came out like mars attacks and jerry Maguire and abuse and butthead do america and like all those movies were just gonna like bury scream Mm. in fact i remember it didn't even come to like the main theater in my town it opened in the like three dollar cheapy theater (laughs) because they just expected a bomb and i was like a big horror nerd and i was really excited to see it but like just i remember that like it opening and no one really thinking of it and then it kind of like slowly like picked up steam to the point that 
it picked got up moved, Scream. Picked Sorry, up Scream. Yeah, just can't yeah. stop today. It got like <laughs> it got like moved over. Eventually got moved over to the big theater, and that like holiday break, moving into that like first couple of weeks of January in school, like it became this thing that everybody was talking about. Everybody was going to see, and like all of a sudden, it was cool to like be into uh-huh. horror, and like That's that was so cool. it, it was this very fun like communal thing where like everybody like I went to see it a couple times in theaters, and like you would always run into people you kind of knew. So yeah, it was just like it was fun and it would it made me feel like oh something I like is cool now because like I said you know I was like a kid who grew up like reading Fangoria and like writing letters to like horror directors mm. and uh, <laughs> so yeah it made me feel like it gave me a little bit of a community and like for the rest of the, my high school I had like horror friends because of that like I remember going awesome. to see Bride of Chucky with the cool kids after that <laughs> yeah because the cool kids were seeing Bride of Chucky yeah Scream made it okay to go see Bride of Chucky That's- <laughs> Excellent. I was also, yeah, like you were saying, I was really surprised to see this movie came out during like the Christmas season because you would think it would be for sure in October release. Like Mm. that's so, you can't kill Scream. (laughs) You can't. And I I would say if I was looking at and knew nothing about this movie and I hadn't already heard so many amazing things about it, if I saw the villain, I'd be like, probably this movie sucks. If I saw it like the mask, I'd be like, this is is a goof. Mm. This is a goofy one. But I've... My history with this movie is, of course, I watched it this morning. Yes. And before that, I just, I knew I loved Matthew Lillard. And I was like, (laughs) let's roll the dice as Lillard's number one fan. Because I'll watch any Lillard joint. And I will say spoilers for everyone listening. I was telling Caitlin when I got in today that, you know, like, for me, it seemed so clear because Lillard did not die right away because he's such a doofus that he was involved. Because when <laughs> when it gets to be the forty five minute mark, you're like, Lillard's How is he still, still alive? here. Yeah. What is he? So, anyways, and and Lillard and Nev Campbell were dating on the set of Scream. Wait, what? That's, I know. I hate that. I hate it too. I mean, Lillard, what a lucky guy. Yeah. 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 What a what a reach. But you know. Yeah. He he went for it and it worked out. Good for him, I guess. Oh, Is I... this the set that um, Courtney Cox and David Arquette meet on? I believe so. Yeah. Ooh, wow. Yeah. This is a this is a hot set. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's fucking. A lot of momentary hip hops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, So my history with this movie is I did not see any of the movies in the Scream franchise until I think 2011 before the fourth one came out. So my friend JT, friend of the cast, Twilight episode, uh, is a big Scream head. And he was like, look, we're going to go see Scream 4 and you have to prepare. So we like sat down and had a little Scream marathon. So I didn't watch any of them until then. And I was like, these are fun. This is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just rewatched all four again in preparation of this episode. And I like these movies even more now. I'm like, these are so freaking fun. They're so fun. <laughs> they are fun. Yeah. There's my still first... stuff to talk about. but yeah. My first horror franchise or slashy franchise that I really loved was Final Destination. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure Final Destination came out on the success of movies yeah. like Scream, right? That's post-Scream, yeah, I, I think, believe. I think that, I want to say that was 99 or 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's that whole way, like, horror was really kind of, like, dead as a genre before Scream. 
like there was this like after kind of like the early 90s horror kind of went away after like the like Jason Freddy Chucky boom yeah like everyone thought horror was dead even like Wes Craven was coming off of like a string of flops that's why everyone's so surprised when Scream hit so big hmm. people were ready yeah oh, they were ready for horror to be reinvented did you see all the sorry to, I'm gonna just keep bringing up Matthew Lillard yeah. this whole <laughs> thing did you see the Matthew Lillard cameos in Screams 2 and 4? I did see that on IMDb. Yes, I did. I don't know about this. Yeah. Where, what, where, where do I look to see uh, Matthew Lillard in Screams 2 and 4? Crowd scenes, it seems yeah. like. Okay. <laughs> He's just available is the point. Yeah. Scream 2, the only thing that Matthew Lillard did in the year 1997, he played Guy at Party uncredited. Uh, <laughs> go forward a little bit to Scream 4, Guy at Stabathon. Mm. uncredited okay so you know he's now Lillard as the only person I think in the world living solely on a Scooby-Doo based income (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you know I think yeah he's just around yeah Yeah. at the time he was good in um the Twin Peaks revival I actually yeah I was like I'm feeling something from Matthew Lillard I don't know if I like that (laughs) I'm I'm empathizing with him that's not good Right, that is something, like, maybe it's time to go on vacation. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm a sociopath. That's what, yeah. I remember um, when he was on The Good Wife, I lost my mind. Anyways. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. He was on yeah. The Good Wife. He was great. Yeah, he is good. <laughs> okay. So now, oh, Sorry. one last thing I wanted to say is, while it took me a while to see the Scream movies, I did see all of the scary movie movies mm. as they were coming the out first yeah so the first scary movie is closely a yeah. parody of the first scream yeah. movie uh and i also rewatched like the first half of that also to prepare for this episode just because you know just in case mm-hmm. something came up and it is the worst movie in the world it's like the jokes that it relies on are just a series of the most problematic yeah. jokes in the world. It's just, it's trash. It's horrible. But I did see those and was familiar with uh, yeah. that. So I sort of watched Scream before I actually saw Scream. Yeah, you got the narrative of Scream before you saw Scream. Because yeah. it is like, that is from just this generation of parody movies where it's like, you don't build another story. You're just like, let's tell the other story this movie already did. Right. But yeah. with more homophobic jokes. Exactly. Oh, it's so, those movies are so bizarre. Yeah, because there's no, there's no attempt at commentary on anything. They're like, yeah. hey, look at, look at, look at. Let's look, just beat yeah. up a woman in every scene. Look at. And it. that's funny. Look what if they did this in the movie you liked? What if Juno got eaten by Alvin and the Chipmunks? Oh my God! Wait, wait. I forget which one. one. All the, the in one of those oh, movie movies, no. they're all a blur. But there's definitely like a mo- one where Alvin and the Chipmunks turn into zombies because it was probably or also around like Dawn of the Dead time, and they sure. eat Juno. Oh God! Yeah, that's very there, late odds upsetting. There is a great video of Ellen Page watching that scene and like losing her fucking mind. <laughs> it's very fun. <laughs> so, uh, shall I do the recap? Yes. yes. Okay, so Scream, we open on a teenager named Casey Becker, played by Drew, Drew Barrymore. Barrymore. Middle part Drew. <laughs> Who was originally going to play Sydney. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but then uh, scheduling conflicts didn't allow it. Uh-huh. So she took the smaller role, but I think that was actually better for her. I, I agree. Think it was great. I, yeah. I assumed when I saw that scene, I was like, oh, they could only get Drew for three days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes, that's right. She, w- yeah. she like, was an early champion in the script. She wanted to do it. So she's at home. She's getting ready to watch a scary movie and then she gets a phone call from an unknown caller who is asking her about scary movies and the situation 
escalates. He's like harassing her. This masked figure shows up and ends up killing her and her boyfriend, Steve. Steve. Poor. Jock Steve. Yeah. He's a big guy, but not a big enough. Not big enough no. to not get what? murdered. No. <laughs> um, and then we meet Sydney Prescott. That is Nev Campbell's character. And she's a classmate of Casey's. And then we meet a couple of Sydney's friends. Among them are her boyfriend, Billy, played by Skeet Ulrich. Or Skeet rears his little head again. Mm-hmm. Mm. Skeet's back on the cast. Yep. What was the last thing he was in? Uh, he was in, well, we've done um, what The Craft. We did the Craft. Oh, okay, okay. So that was our last Skeet discussion. Every October, <laughs> Skeet comes Skeet. up. Skeet. <laughs> <laughs> Skeetoberfest. Um, we meet um, her friend uh, Tatum, played by Rose McGowan. Mm-hmm. Tatum's boyfriend, Stu, which is Lillard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then their other friend, Randy. News of Casey's murder gets spread around, and we also learn that Sydney's mom was murdered a year earlier. Also, I know, I mean, whatever, Billy and Lillard did it, but in the first scene, you're like, Lillard's not showing really any empathy towards anyone. I'm like, it's he's too the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was on to him for moment one, <laughs> where he was like, yeah, yeah, I hooked up with that woman who just died brutally a couple times. I don't freaking care. And they're like, what's your alibi, dude? And he's like, I was fucking <laughs> i was like are you serious right now Lillard? such poor taste yeah something murdered <laughs> yeah Lillard. okay so then we meet a cop a, a sheriff's deputy named uh, dewey played by david arquette and he's also tatum's brother he's in- investigating and then there's a nosy reporter gail weathers um, that's Courtney Cox's character. She's trying to get the scoop on this story. So many yeah. good outfits. This has the best name characters in like yeah. any like horror yes. franchise. I think ninety percent of the reason I remember it's like I will remember the names Sydney Prescott, Gail Weathers, and like Cotton Weary to like the yeah. day I die. They're uh-huh. just such great like horror movie names. Cotton yes. Weary is yeah. the most insane name, and yeah. I just oh I love it. <laughs> also, such an insane character. Yeah, like, it's like you're supposed to care about this guy you never see once in the actual movie. <laughs> <laughs> but he plays a much more prominent role yes. in Scream 2. Yes. Oh, I was yeah. told skip to C3. Oh, I disagree. I think 2 is is more fun than 3. Yeah. Wow. And Scream 4 is also a romp. Yeah. So it depends on where Just you watch s- them all. Yeah. All right. Sounds depends good. on where you stand on Jay and Silent Bob cameos. Oh, right. oh, God. I mean, well, I was able to weather them in Degrassi, but uh, yeah. <laughs> They took over a season, season of, of Degrassi. Degrassi. Yeah. I did not know that. Oh, it was a nightmare. It okay. was a nightmare. Yeah. Apparently, Kevin Smith wanted to direct some episodes, but they're like, you can't because you're not Canadian. He's like, well, okay, can I just like star in an entire arc? And they let him do that. <laughs> right. And there's still like all the teenage stuff. Like, there's still like girls struggling like with, with their teen pregnancies, but also yeah. Jay and Silent Bob are there. It's yeah. very weird. Huh. <sighs> all right. Kevin. 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 <sighs> okay. Lord. So then Sydney gets a call from the killer, and he is threatening her. Mr. Scream. Miss, Mr. Mr. Scream. Scream. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, a moment later, her boyfriend Billy shows up, and a, a cell phone drops out of his pocket. Oh, it's also worth noting that Sydney is a virgin. She is dealing with the grief and trauma of her mom dying. She has her- an underpants roll. She has an underpants role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy's like, come on, do some sex stuff with me. And she's like, no, you know about my rule. And he's like, okay. Rats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doe. <Dough. laughs> 
So Billy shows up right after she gets this call and a cell phone drops out of his pocket. And mm-hmm. it seems like maybe he's the killer. So she's like, yeah. oh, no. And he gets arrested. Because this was a period of time when you having a cell phone and the killer having a cell phone was enough evidence to like, <laughs> right. be like link them. Be like, oh, they like, both we don't cell phones. know many people with cell, cell phones. phones. <laughs> he must be the killer. She turns on him so fast. She's she like, does. cell phone, you're the murderer. <laughs> right. And that, that like kept me off Billy's trail for a while yeah. I was like she is she is <laughs> loyal to no yeah, one yeah she's jumping to conclusions so fast imagine being a teenager and being like no arrest my boyfriend <laughs> for having a cell phone <laughs> except in this movie they call them cellulars yeah it's just like you hear the word cellular like 18 different times <laughs> do you ever call it a celly when you're no. I remember that like, yeah call me celly, celly. Call me celly. <laughs> but I only have 12 minutes so make it quick right. <laughs> god yeah you just be cut off in the middle yeah. of a brilliant thought <laughs> On your celly. So Billy's in jail, but Sydney gets another call from the killer. So it can't be Billy. Mr. Scream again. Mr. Scream calls and he's like, you got the wrong guy. And then we learn Sydney had testified against this guy, Cotton Weary, who was convicted of killing Sydney's mom. And then Gail snooping around. She's trying to get her story. Um, and Sydney. Hair, outfits, hair, outfits. Oh, yes. Lots Beautiful. Of, lots of like streaky, like blonde highlights. Oh, yeah. The local news look is on yeah. full display. Yeah. And Sydney hates Gail for like exploiting her mom's murder for a like book deal. Yeah. And, Fair. you know, Gail, she's trying to get closer to yeah. Dewey to like get information. And, you know, they're, they're like, yeah. when you're like also, giving some, some cutie eyes. Yeah. Also important to note, I think, is that like she doesn't think Cotton did it. She thinks he's been right. falsely identified. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Sydney uh-huh. sent an innocent man to jail. Right. Which and... we maybe have seen her do twice now. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so, true. Yeah. And maybe Gail's on to something. Yeah. So then the principal of their school gets murdered and people are speculating who the killer might be. And Randy, their friend, is this like horror movie buff and he's like, you know, it's oh, got to be which we should say, by the way, King Jamie Kennedy. That's Jamie Kennedy? Yeah. What? <laughs> yes. How did I not know that? If Lillard weren't already in this movie, that would be my central focus. Yeah. But uh, it is it is Jamie Kennedy of, of the experiment. Yes. Um, and, and your arch nemesis. My arch nemesis. I, cause I'm going to marry into the Kennedys. So right. then I'll be Jamie. I'll be the Jamie Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, But yes, Jamie Kennedy. Okay, good to know. Stars are out in this movie. (laughs) So then the police trace the calls that were made from the killer to Sydney's dad's cellular, and they can't find him. So they're like, oh no, Sydney's dad is the killer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Stu throws a party. Some people get killed, including Tatum in the garage door in a very brutal scene. Never go to Lillard's house. Yeah. (laughs) Also, a very strong garage door. Like, I feel like if <laughs> yes. I, like, every garage door I've ever seen, like, breaks at, like, the st- drop of a pin. And yeah. it's just was able to, like, lift a full person, and like. mash her head yeah, into. Yeah. yeah. Also, like, my garage door is, A, weak. But also it has enough of a sensor that it wouldn't, it would, yeah. it would, it would just be like, oh, uh, it would start to slowly rise up. Yeah. Also, oh, well. little tidbit that I like is that apparently I think they did need a stunt double because, like, Rose McGowan was actually thin enough that she could get through the the doggy door. God. <laughs> so the rest of the story 
They're at Stu's party. People are getting killed. Billy and Sydney finally have sex. Uh, and then afterwards, she's like, wait a minute. I think you still might be the killer. And he's like, what do I have to do to prove that I'm not? And then he gets stabbed by the killer. And then the killer is going after Sydney and this then more people. This is such a high-level prank yeah. at this point. Yeah. I'm like, you're getting stabbed <laughs> over your own weird... Yeah. What? Yeah. what? <laughs> because moments later, we find out that it was just... The, you know, the blood that we see was just corn syrup. The same as using Carrie. Mm-hmm. And he is in on it. So the killers are revealed to be Stu and Billy. Lillard. <laughs> yeah. Lillard, I like, you know, he's never, he never has narrative consequence. Right. I, I know. Exci- I was like, probably a big day for him. Yeah. All right. Well. So, <laughs> so they're like telling their whole plan and the whole, you know, backstory to Sydney. And they're the ones who killed her mom. It wasn't Cotton Weary after all. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they they plan to kill her and frame her dad. But then she's like, no, not on my watch. And she throws a TV onto Stu's head. Yeah. And then Gail comes in and shoots Billy. Goodbye, also, Skeet. <laughs> goodbye, Skeet. Something that always bothered me about the ending is that, like, an important part of uh, Skeet and Lillard's plan is that they, they're going to, like, stab each other to, like, make yeah. themsel- <laughs> like, them look, themselves look like victims. Mm-hmm. But they do that in the middle of the plan. And it's like, wait until, like, you've gotten everything else done, <laughs> then stab uh, each other. Don't do it. Like, that's not step, like, two. That's step, like, ten. Last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why, Maybe like, they're not so bright. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if only they could do a second pass at that plan. Yeah. <laughs> they should have, yeah, they should have workshopped it. Yeah, mm. they should have taken it to, they should have gone to a local jail, yeah. run it by an actual murderer, and be yeah. like, so if you could do it over and get away with it, what would you do different? Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, like most murders involve you stabbing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> to look like a victim. Do, do your homework. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then there's, you know, a running theme throughout the movie because they're watching Halloween and the different things that are happening in slasher movies are Super sort of informing what's... Yeah. yeah. So the, the two bad guys die at the end. Sydney emerges triumphant. Mm-hmm. And that is the end of the movie. So let's take a quick break and then we'll come right back. <laughs> Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. 
join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. All right, we're back. Matt, I was wait- I'm sorry for the break took so long. I was waiting for Matthew Lillard. My he's my assistant now. Oh yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, and I was waiting for him to bring me my soup. Mm-hmm. And I was on the phone, you heard me screaming, "Lillard, yeah. where's my soup?" <laughs> and this is a joke that's just for me and uh-huh. I enjoy it. <laughs> Anyways, scream. Welcome yes. back. Here we are. Yeah, as we mentioned, this is like a super meta slasher movie that spends a lot of time like calling attention to the tropes of popular horror movies and like the characters of Scream keep alluding to the fact that their situation is just like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And then like as the Scream sequels go, this happens more and more. They get even more meta. There's even more references. They're making movies about the events of the first movie. Yeah. And, like everybody from the first movie is brought on as creative consultant. Yeah. <laughs> there. It seems like in general, and I'm not like a horror buff. I, I've seen just the basics. Mm-hmm. But it seems like it's a very self-referential genre in general where – like this movie, and we just recorded our Halloween episode yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This movie clearly pulls from Halloween very heavily. But even in Halloween in the late 70s, they're watching horror movies from like the 40s and 50s. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it helps to acknowledge that you have horror movies taking place in a world where people know horror movie conventions. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think I, I especially liked it in Scream because yeah. it's all over the place. Right. For example, one of the things that happens is that the movie calls attention to different, like, kind of frustrating choices the characters will make in horror movies. Where in the beginning, I think Sydney is talking on the phone to the killer, and she's like, I don't watch scary movies. It's all the same thing. Some stupid killer is stalking a big breasted girl who can't act, who is always running up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. And then moments later, she, circumstances. Yeah, going up those stairs. Yeah. She runs up the stairs. Yeah. So it's like clever, funny things like that that i enjoy and then like the randy character who is a horror buff mm. is like always rattling off like these are the rules like here are the tropes like da, da, da. even at the beginning i think like drew barrymore has that line about you know it's always they're always casting people who are way too old for these parts and the joke is that drew barrymore is like way too old for this part but <laughs> right. she was only 21 at the time oh Freaking, yeah like they I, styled I, her to look older yeah i think they st- but like it's like god damn it like matthew broderick got to play ferris bueller when he was 24 <laughs> I don't think, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because there's sometimes when movies are too referential, that rubs me the wrong way. And then you get into, like, Shrek territory of, like, Mm. so referency that without the references, there is no substance. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I think this movie toes that line very well. Yeah. I find, like, a little distracting at the beginning when it's, like, 
everybody's talking in movie metaphors. It's like yeah. the the cool boyfriend is like our relationship's a PG thirteen. I don't want to take it oh to like God. an R, and it's like <laughs> so cheesy. It's also he says our relationship was an R, and I want to take an NC seventeen. But it's like what's not happening in an R rated movie that you that like I'm pretty sure you can have sex in an R rated movie, right? And like yeah. you just want to yeah. do some freaky shit. Yeah. Like is that what you're saying? Yeah, some like Italian museum fucking movie. I can't. There is a movie Italian movie where NC seventeen where they fuck a museum. I can't remember oh. what it's called. <gasps> Oh, I would like to know the name of yeah. that movie. Yeah. And then what he's like, oh, we can't be. Now it's like edited for TV. CBS yeah. on a <laughs> Tuesday at 7. I was like, whoa, you're 17. And then at the end, Eva Campbell is like, would you settle for a PG-13 rating? And he's like, what's that? And she flashes them. And it's like, you can't show breasts in a PG-13 movie. They, right. They're all over the place um, on their ratings. Clearly you've never seen Titanic. Which... Uh, well, that's, that's, like an, that's like artful. Yeah. yeah. You can get away with it if it's if artful. If it's oil painting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Right. Oh, so many um, rules. So in the movie, there's direct references to Halloween. For example, Drew Barrymore's character mentions that Halloween is her favorite scary movie. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever the parents show up to that house and they're finding that, you know, something is amiss, her dad is like, go to the Mackenzie's house and call the police. That's the same family that Laurie Strode in Halloween tells the kids to go to. Oh, no. Um, That's uh, even... Oh, and then there's that scene where... Skeet and, and, and Nev Campbell are making out that Blue Oyster Cult song from Halloween yeah. is playing too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't Fear the, the Reaper. Reaper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. Billy's last name is Loomis and Loomis is the last Loomis. name yeah. of the psychiatrist in Halloween. Uh, I do I love that. So Rose McGa- Tatum comments this is just like a Wes Carpenter film which is a right. fun mashup of Wes Craven and John what, Carpenter. What she meant was uh, Wes Anderson. Yes, yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then later in the movie they are watching Halloween and kind of picking apart the different tropes so I just kind of wanted to do a little compare and contrast Mm -hmm. of of the two movies especially because we just covered Halloween a little exercise so like in the Halloween episode we kind of broke down okay here are the women who are being attacked and brutalized versus like not nearly as many men However, in Scream, we see still a lot of women get attacked and killed, but so do way more men. I feel like, yeah, it's like more than parody in that. Yeah, right? I would say it's, it's about split down the middle because okay. we see Casey Becker get chased, stabbed, and but, then gutted. But Steve. And then Steve, mm, her boyfriend, yeah. also is gutted. Uh, we see Sydney get attacked multiple times. We see... Tatum get killed by the garage door, uh, but we see Dewey, he gets stabbed in the back toward the end. Yep. Um, Kenny, the camera guy, gets his throat slashed. Gail Weathers, I don't, does she even get attacked or is it just that she crashes she, the van? She, she crashes and then she, she kills get, it, right? I think she gets attacked towards the end she, okay. when she, that uh, first one where she has the safety on the gun and he's like, right. Right. Oh, it works he, a lot better yeah, they, if you take the safety And they off. hit her and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I don't know if she ever gets stabbed, but yeah, she, she, gets, she, is, yeah. she gets, you know, scuffed up a bit. Yeah. She gets, um, yeah. Randy gets shot mm-hmm. uh, and then Stu and Billy stab each other, but it, that's all part of yeah. the plan. Just That's still so crazy. But so, yeah, it's about 50 50. And we can't leave out uh, Principal Henry Winkler. Right, right, right. right. So maybe even it's it's more men getting. What a treat. What a treat. Fun cameo. I know. (laughs) He's in and out. He was Fonz, and now he's the principal. Oh, and then, so clever. Then, then about ten years later, he pops up in holes, and yeah. you're like, "What, what a, g- a oh yeah, it's the gift. dad. He's yeah. great in holes." Yeah. Stanley Yelnats yeah. the third 
or yeah, something. He plays Shia yeah. LaBeouf's dad. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Anyways. Um, but I would say even though there is more gender parody of people getting attacked and scream, I would say as far as on-screen violence, the attacks on women are more extended. They are more, more brutal. Graphic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because well, even what you were just describing, like – Yes, David Arquette gets a knife to the back, but that's not as bad as being squeezed, you know, like right. yeah. garage door. I mean, and, and then the whole opening scene yeah. is Drew Barrymore's character for a good five minutes is being verbally harassed, chased, stabbed, dragged across the ground. Um, and then right. all we see of the boyfriend is that he's tied up briefly and then it cuts to the aftermath of him being gutted. Yeah. So right. it's way more brutal when it's when it comes to violence against women. And I bet if we're if we're clocking how long yeah like you're saying like those scenes are way longer Mm -hmm. um and it might be worth noting that in that opening scene where we see the boyfriend tied up and kind of like used as sort of leverage or like usually it's a woman tied up in an action movie or superhero movie but this time we got steve so but he's what's the line that drew barrymore said he's like he's a football player and he's gonna gonna kick your ass (laughs) he's big and he's gonna kick your ass (laughs) he's like oh yeah yeah Yeah, that that first scene i mean there's so much to unpack in that first scene alone where it's one of those movies where you know because it does come down to the last girl still essentially Mm -hmm. and sydney's you know the last girl emerges triumphant whatever that trope, which which kind of like our guest April Wolf was saying on the Halloween episode, there's a lot of different ways to look at the last yeah. girl trope. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is upheld in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, in the first scene, there were moments in this movie where it was hard for me to figure out, I don't know, like how the writing felt about some of its female characters that weren't Sydney. Because mm-hmm. a mm. lot of them come off as a little dumb, a little flaky. Shrill, yeah. 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 I do think there's some... I don't know if, if Williamson like extends this to all his female characters, but I think there is some fun or uh, interesting, like setting up expectations that you would come to expect from ha- having watched a lot of horror movies mm-hmm. that he kind of undercuts. Like, Gail Weathers is 100% set up as, like, as a victim. Like, she's, like, fucking with our main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's just, like, she kind of played as this, like, snoopy, like, bitch who's just, like, getting in the yeah. way. And, like, you kind of, like, 100% expect her to get it. And right. and I would say this is a movie where, I might say this is, actually has two final girls because I think well, Gail yeah. kind of fits that, at least with her character. I don't know if I'd say that's the same for like Tatum, but like for her, right. like they're building up these expectations so they can kind of like undercut them, subvert at the end. them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah right. The, the Gail character is, I mean, Gail and Sydney are both extremely smart and and capable, mm-hmm. and I mean, the movie doesn't do like you're saying, John. That doesn't the movie doesn't do that much to undercut their abilities, even when they're wrong. Yeah, it's not being positioned that they're stupid. It's just. There's a lot going on, and there's a stabby plan yeah. that no one could have guessed. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, th- but there are, like, Casey and, and Tatum are a little bit trickier in, in that way, which is, you know, I'm not even saying every woman that appears on screen in every movie has yeah. to be really smart. That is unrealistic, mm-hmm. and at some point gets boring. Mm-hmm. But that that first scene is so long, and the, the like, phone, over-the-phone coercion, which, like, was making me squirm a little bit of, like, like, don't tell him you're home alone. What are you? Yeah. And then telling a story, you're like, oh, I'm I'm making popcorn. I'm going to watch a movie. It's like, what are you doing? And they're, 
what I could relate with in that scene is confusing Freddie, Jason, and Michael yeah. Myers because I would that's I would oh, have died there too. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine just like failing a BuzzFeed quiz and then being mm-hmm. murdered. Oh. Movie trivia is like the one thing that I am good at in my entire life. So I would have been like boom, 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 boom. Don't boom. think that bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would. I I would fail. Although we did great at Gilmore yeah. Girls trivia. Oh, yeah. We won. We won. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, quick brag. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I accept um, it. It's a worthy brag. <laughs> Another thing when you if you're comparing Halloween and Scream, for example. In Halloween, there are a lot of women in the cast, but they weren't really driving the narrative. They were basically just kind of reacting to what the killer was doing, and their main goal was survival, essentially, and only one of them gets to achieve that goal, which is Laurie Strode. In Scream, however, there's a few elements that are introduced that allow female characters to be more active. One, uh, the identity of the killer is a mystery, unlike Halloween where like we know right off the bat that it's Michael Myers and there's no like ambiguity there. Yeah. So in Scream, the, the women are trying to figure out who the killer is. Um, mostly Gail, because mm-hmm. she's, you know, she's trying to like crack the, you know, get the scoop. But then also because Sydney keeps being attacked and called and harassed by the killer. And okay. she's like, what, who is this? I, you know, I want to know. And that Gail has uh, alternative theories of, like, she's really thought about, she's positioned, like you you were saying, Jonah, as as like kind of a flighty local reporter, but she's done some investigation and Mm -hmm. is good at her job and seems to be getting closer than, I mean, unfortunately, our girl Sydney uh, keeps kind of fumbling it. (laughs) Until, yeah, until after she has sex with and then like the then like the clues click after she said sex. which she's is like, a really fucked the killer, killer. yeah like i could <laughs> damn tell. it yeah which is but, a really interesting subversion there. to yeah. the tropes of yes. slasher movies yeah. because mm-hmm. as soon as she rather than uh you know getting murdered which is what usually happens as soon as a girl has sex in a horror movie yeah it like things fall into place for her <laughs> it's an interesting i mean that's that was a subversion where when that happened i was like Huh. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it just feels like they're like subversions without actually thinking like, what is the implication of this? It's right. just like subverting it because I'm clever and I, I can do that math of like, well, if this usually happens, then this should happen. But it's like, what are we actually saying with this? As opposed to like, right. just doing it because I'm a clever screenwriter. Because I was like, is the implication of that like, okay, so now to be able to solve crimes, you better be fucking. Like there, there's like, <laughs> right. there, there's a lot of different ways. I was yeah. like, I don't know. Like it was an interesting subversion and it sounds like at this point, point that is not something that would normally happen in a horror movie but yeah i was like what exactly was uh, williamson trying to say with that one right and i was um like on this theme i'm I'm sorry if i'm jumping to the end too soon but i mean i think okay so like seeing this in theaters in like 96 the moment that just like i've rarely been in another theater where like an audience went this crazy was when she's kind of like turned the tables on when sydney's turned the tables on the killer and she has that voice box and she's like terrorizing them yeah like that is so like that is so satisfying and so gratifying like the audience erupted when she started calling them and it's like at that point she's not just like the active protagonist she is like I don't know. Giving she's them empowered. a taste of their yeah, own t- and like, medicine. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. Because you so rarely see that. Because, again, if we're comparing it to Halloween, 
Laurie Strode just kind of gets away by yeah. sheer luck. At best, they're, they're like defending themselves and right. like fighting right. for their lives. They're not like actively going after the people who've like terrorized yeah. them the whole movie. They're yeah. rarely like cunning. Yeah, yeah. And, like at, at least until that point. I think we've seen that a little more. Mm-hmm. But Scream was kind of a little bit of a innovator. And it's cathartic. Yeah, yeah it's, it's cathartic. Cool. Yeah. Yes. And in Halloween, uh, Dr. Loomis has to come in and kind of save the day by yeah. shooting Michael Myers, whereas in this movie, yeah. in Scream, Sydney kills one of the bad guys, and then yeah. Gail kills the other so, one. So it's two women yeah. triumphing. Also, two last girls. Yeah. Another like audience going nuts moment when she was like, safety's off that time, asshole. Yeah. And like, <laughs> oh. audience erupts. Woo. Yeah. Do-do-do-do. It's a good audience. It's a good audience movie. Yes. Like, you got to see it with a crowd. I kind of want, I f- I'm sure there's public screenings of it around there's, this time of year. I kind of want to go. Want to yeah. see this group? That'd There's one so at the ArcLight this Saturday. <gasps> no way! Yeah. Oh, I might go. Okay, maybe yeah. we should. Yeah. All yeah. Well, yeah. we gotta take Ooh. another quick break, so let's take a break and figure out the plans for that, <laughs> and then we'll come right back. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Going back quickly to like the movie calling attention to tropes, but maybe not necessarily fully understanding the implications of what they're saying and kind of like not taking it far enough in terms of commentary. Yeah. Uh, for example, toward the end, whenever like Randy and the gang are watching Halloween at Stu's house. JK. <laughs> JK and his friends. Yeah. He's kind of 
you know, going through the rules and the tropes. And he's saying, he's like, Jamie Lee was always the virgin in horror movies. That's why she always outsmarted the killer in the big chase scene at the end. There's certain rules that one must abide by to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex. Sex equals death. Number two, you can't drink or do drugs. Number three, God, never say, I'll be right back. Time. Yeah, he's like, he's monologuing out in, in this scene. This is where there were a few parts of this movie where I'm like, okay, like we're, we're, we're laying it on a bit thick, yeah. Kevin. So he's calling attention to these tropes, but I would argue that there's not a whole lot of active commentary being made well i mean kind of like what we were just talking about it's like the implication is like no women who have had sex before can escape alive yeah (laughs) and can have agency i don't know i mean i guess i was just thinking about myself in high school i'm like well where does that leave all the virgins uh, that used to be the only thing we had was yeah. that we could live, and <laughs> now what well, well, we got to work with? We got yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah, there's. I mean, in terms of, I think this movie came out at a time where starting to acknowledge media tropes in text is becoming trendy, but not necessarily doing much about it because this is like, you know, third wave feminism time. This is squarely in the like girl power mm. th- but as we see in this not very diverse movie in yeah. terms of <laughs> race or once again women's body types yeah it's like okay there is some level of catharsis and liberation mm. for women but only a very specific type of yes. woman young conventionally attractive white straight women exactly uh, and that, I mean, I think that that shows up in almost every movie of this era of you also can be a murderer if you look hot and play by the rules. <laughs> like, they're, it's progressive for its time, but certainly not. Yeah. yeah. And it's a little, di- I would maybe a little disappointing coming from Wes Craven because he had a string of movies before that that are a little more, like, progressive. The People Under the Stairs, I think, is one of, like, just, like... A, oh, a, never a, seen I'm that. not familiar. It's, yeah. uh, it's uh, I mean, I'm going to say all this with a grain of salt because I haven't watched any of these movies in, like, years. But, you know, mm-hmm. People Under the Stairs is a horror movie about... Like gentrification that puts a uh, oh. a young black kid at the at the center of the movie, hmm. okay. uh, and it's so good and so freaky and like um and he actually I think he did a little more interesting stuff with uh, just the idea of like these meta narratives a couple years before with New Nightmare, mm-hmm. um but this was kind of all that stuff. I feel like Scream was kind of like dealing with the same stuff as New Nightmare. I don't want to say dumbed down, but like you know for a mass audience, a bright, broader yeah right. for a broader audience. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the screenwriter, Kevin Williamson, I mean, kind of builds his his career on and, and I love a lot of, a lot of his work. Yeah. It's a lot to me. Where for, what else has he done? So he uh, is the force behind Dawson's, Dawson's Creek. Creek. Ever heard of it? <laughs> the Vampire Diaries. Uh, screams 1, 2, and 4. I know what you did last summer. The Faculty. Uh, the which Faculty. I think might be like the Faculty might be the one movie from this wave of late 90s horror that I actually like more than Scream. Really? Yeah, I love The Faculty. Whoa, I've never yeah. seen The Faculty. I don't think it's I have seen it. Uh, it is Elijah Wood. Ooh, Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett, yes. Ah. Um, B.B. Newworth is in it. That's right. Frasier, oh, hello. John, John Stewart is a teacher in it. Early, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, 
But there is this through line, even with like this specific relatively progressive writer's work, where in, in a lot of these, and I'm pulling mainly from Dawson's Creek and early Vampire yeah. Diaries, where there's a lot of well-written female characters that are making active choices. They're complicated. They have backstories. But again, like in Scream, it's almost across all the work we just mentioned, a very specific type of woman yeah, mm-hmm, that, for sure. that this agency is available to. Um, Scream 2 comments on the lack of diversity in horror movies to some extent. Um, and that Good movie job. seems to have have made like a more conscious effort in terms of casting to cast more people of color in the movie. But all of those characters are in supporting roles. None of them are really in the main cast. And then that effort to be more inclusive in the sequels after that in Scream 3 and 4 just doesn't happen yeah. again. I mean, if, as far as I remember, Scream 2 just kind of opens with like, a f- like the opening murder is... Um, who? It's Jada Pickett-Smith. Yes. Yeah. And her boyfriend, who I forget who plays her boyfriend. Yeah, so do I. At a screaming of Stab, which is the f- fake franchise within the Scream universe that the mm-hmm. book, uh, you yes. get it. But like, they, they, <laughs> you know, so it, 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 it does very much feel like they're, it's like, okay, we've paid lip service to this idea. We're, we're acknowledging it. Now let us get on it and make the real movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it feels like certainly more could have been done to acknowledge the lack of diversity in horror movies, uh, certainly in Scream, the first Scream, because that does not happen at all. Um, right. And then even when Scream 2, when it does make an attempt, it, it yeah. kind of just isn't really enough. Especially if you're doing meta commentary about the horror genre. I mean, there is, like, such a kind of, like, going back as far as, like, Night of Living Dead, a rich history of using horror as a template to talk about race that it almost feels negligent, like, mm-hmm. willfully negligent on the side of the side of these of the people who are making this meta-horror film not to, like, bring that into the conversation. Yeah. Like, like even, like, going back as far as, like, the Twilight Zone, you know? Yeah. Like, horror is a... Horror has always been used as kind of a platform to talk about, like, more progressive things. Because, mm-hmm. like, people, like, Rod Sterling always said, you could, like tolerate talking about this stuff when you bring spooky stuff into the mix so I don't know it's frustrating yeah this I mean this whole a lot of like Clinton era movies for for whatever reason they they are willing to acknowledge the problem but then also take little to no action to solve it where it's like okay thank you for bringing it to our attention that you're aware there's a lack of diversity and then straight up like show white people for three hours it's just Uh bizarre yeah, this falls squarely in that span of years where that's that's happening. Yeah. I think the first movie on this podcast that we really started to unpack the kind of like semi-empty girl power message of the 90s is Spice World. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> ironically. Amanda, uh, you did that with Amanda Meadows, right? We did. Yeah. Yeah. Amanda Meadows. Uh-huh. Hi, Amanda. Uh, I bet hello. you listen to this. She's our biggest fan. Yeah. She's the best. Um, right, because that had just so much kind of like empty quote-unquote feminism where it's yeah. like you go girl girl power but it was like yeah. corporate feminism yeah. and yeah. they still you know subscribe to a lot of the tropes that are regressive yeah. toward women and it became a buzz it became like yes a marketing strategy it's like right. it's like girl power buy a pink polaroid camera yeah <laughs> and i think to some extent there that is happening now too and it's like i try to be really like mindful of that when i'm you know just it's it's a weekend i'm strolling through let's say the glendale galleria <laughs> my closest mall mm. uh, mine too there's yeah. i love the glendale I galleria, love the glendale galleria. <laughs> and it's just a 
a quick, too. a quick, st- a couple steps to the, end, and then you're at the Americana. I, oh, you're just at another, another great, great mall. mall. <laughs> two, uh, yeah. I Park got, once, got two malls. Love the mall. <laughs> I love shopping. I, mean, I got. Oh, let me be shopping. Yes. I got these great French fries at the Americana the other day. Anyways, <laughs> but walking through, like you know, it, it's because it is such a precarious, strange moment in time where we care about women's issues again, but do we kind of thing? I think that's reflected in marketing so much. We're like even walking through my favorite mall the other day, my favorite mm. indoor mall across the street yes. from my favorite yeah. outdoor mall. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Perfectly which, situated. We love it. Yeah. There's Apple stores at both. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, so I'm gonna, I want to go to the mall. Uh, <laughs> but y- there is like a concentrated effort right now to play into that, especially and where I find it especially sinister is with uh, empty messages about like body acceptance. There's this I'm thinking of a campaign that Lush is doing right now oh. to sell soap. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, any body type can use our soap. And you're like, yeah, no shit. It's yeah. soap. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, <laughs> me too, the soap. And you're like, fuck your me too. Yeah. Like they're it's But then ew. But then it's like you go across the then you just like go across the mall to like Forever Twenty One where they're mm-hmm. not selling like those are the the stores that like won't sell clothes into like the extra large sizes because they right. don't want like bigger women in right. yeah so it's like in their clothes yeah, yeah. and uh, you know that's something I deal with a lot um, but there's a lot of times where this girl power messaging that's happening now feels a little shallow right because uh, you don't see it extended to like you know, if, no, no. yeah, yeah you don't no, see extends everywhere. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. exclusionary still. Yes, right, and just like capitalizing on a moment while doing nothing to actually support it. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just like, yeah. But everyone should check out the Glendale Gallery, a great food court. <laughs> mm, yeah, two like, and then there's a little side food court if you go up yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> guys, options, take a options, weekend, options. just one day at the Galleria, one day at the Americana. <sighs> you're, it's a, you're just have a full weekend. Our, our friend, our friend calls it. Uh, what does Jared call it? Jared calls it like the Paris of California. Yeah, it's just yeah. the Americana is. Hey, can't afford to go to Paris? Check out the yeah. Americana. There's a water fountain. Yes, and a movie theater. And it's already synced up to some. Songs from the Polar Express. Christmas starts <laughs> early at the Americana. Oh, they go way out of their way. Yeah, God. I saw I when I was at the Mer- Americana. Sorry, one more thing about the Americana. I was, <laughs> I was getting my computer fixed on a Monday, so I was like, oh, it's a quiet time at the Americana. There was uh, an old couple watching the water fountain display and like crying they thought it was like 11 in the morning i was like guys what are we doing here (laughs) but they were so moved were they by the americana water display that they were both crying and holding hands that's beautiful yeah i know i was like oh god well not to you know derail this uh glendale galleria (laughs) conversation but kind of well tying it back to what we had been talking about in terms of like the exclusionary you know soap is for every body type and it's like duh there is a moment where courtney cox fat shames her camera guy yes other than that i would say there's not as much actively problematic stuff that happens in this movie Um, it's a lot of omission it's omission Yeah. yeah and then compare this to the scream parody of scary movie that like i said relies entirely on problematic jokes so also this movie was supposed to be called scary movie yes 
Crazy. Also, uh, we would be remiss not to say, you know, it is a Weinstein mm. joint. So. Yes, it yeah. certainly is. Yeah. And should we, I don't know if, how much it's worth talking about to bring up uh, Rose McGowan, who plays Tatum. Right. But, you know, she's been very outspoken about the Me Too movement. But she also, you know, yeah. says some problematic things that uh, are fairly turfy at times. I think it's important to remember there is no perfect advocate for a movement. And if you're putting all your chips behind one specific advocate, probably not a smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Put your chips behind the movement, not a specific person. Yep. But it is unfortunate. I mean, there and and if I'm recalling correctly, I did a little bit of a little, little a light goog oh. on the subject. And it appears that the issues with Weinstein and McGowan happened after Scream. Oh, okay. Uh, the, in 97. Interesting. Just a, just yeah. a thing. I might be wrong, but I don't think... I think that just was those wave of, like, Dimension and Miramax films that they weren't actively involved with. It's just, like, their mm-hmm. names were on mm-hmm. everything. Although I do know it was them who decided to change the name from Scary Movie to, to Scream. Scream. That's the only active participation I know they had in the movie. Got it. I mean, they still got money for it, so I'm, I'm not happy. But yeah. Also, a weird, like, weird... Hollywood Reporter story came out as the Me Too movement was like starting this time last year. And Skeet Ulrich, for some reason, took it upon himself to be like, yeah, I also knew Harvey Weinstein was bad. And like, Skeet, can you sit down for like a second? Don't they need you on set over at Riverdale? (laughs) Yeah, like, don't you need to play some fedora (laughs) asshole? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, don't you need to be brooding in a jail cell somewhere? Oh. A fake jail cell, not a real. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not advocating sending Skeet Eldridge to real jail. <laughs> not, well, yet. I am. not yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Show us the receipts and we'll send Skeet to jail. Yes. <laughs> oh, Skeet. Um, does anyone have any final thoughts about Scream? Oh. I just really enjoyed it. Yeah. There's blind spots, yeah. mostly by omission. Mm hmm. But I really liked it. I, yeah, yeah. I I love this movie when it came out. It was a lot of fun to revisit it. The one moment I always love in the movie is when everyone at the party finds out the principal's been murdered, and they're like, "Fuck yeah!" And then they like <laughs> take off to. Go. I'm like, "What is wrong with these yeah. kids?" These kids' reaction to finding out people close to them are like they're so stoked. It's so they're I, heartless. I really want to. Like, I I really want to see the moment where they get to the like the football field to see like principal Henry Winkler like strung up and they just like the gravity of what they're actually doing hits them and they're like right and they're oh like oh my god oh. a person is dead yeah. I thought this was just fun but a person her principal is dead I mean I didn't get along with him but uh, <laughs> but he doesn't deserve, deserve to die. die yeah Jamie you mentioned this a bit on the Halloween episode where in that movie and in this movie as well it's clear that the people who are displaying toxic masculinity and you know other negative qualities it's clear that they are the bad guys because right. often we find in movies where you know the, the the hero is also ripe with toxic masculinity but we're Indiana still Indiana Jones yeah. raped mm-hmm. a 15 year old yeah. at best yeah at yeah. best <laughs> But um, because in, in different moments of this movie, we see, like, Billy emotionally manipulating his girlfriend by being like, oh, you're yeah. still upset about your dead mom, you 
fucking loser why don't you just have sex with me already god and it's like oh okay so you're you know uh, abusive and and gaslighting and uh and then he ends up being the bad guy so oh also that was one one last thing i wanted to say about sydney is that like kickstarting stuff with the brutal murder of a woman and i think they say rape as well this issue is oh of sydney's mom that's in the report yes in the report right yes that I mean, both seems like a reference to Halloween and just like, oh boy, we're killing a woman to start the story. But you do see Sydney dealing with that trauma in a way that at least seems for this universe to be relatively honest. Mm-hmm. And it's not the sort of story where it's like, oh, yeah, we're just throwing this in there to get the story started. And it has no actual narrative impact on our main character. So yeah. I was happy to see that. And I'd also, um, I mean, in regards to actually both of what you're saying, especially like the display of understanding and display of toxic masculinity, I think a lot of that might have to do with the fact that like Williamson is a like queer writer. So he's mm-hmm. he's not he's not writing from the inside. He's kind of writing from the outside mm. a little bit when he's dealing with character. And I think maybe he can see them with a little less like hero worship than, like, say, a, you know, someone who might see themselves in Billy Loomis would. Right. Right. Yeah. And I would say overall, in terms of, like, the character development of the, you know, main female characters we get to know, which is mostly Sydney and Gail Weathers, we don't know a whole ton about them outside of how they relate to this specific story. It's not like, you know, we're like, oh, and Sydney loves chemistry and, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, there's only so much you can accomplish. She's in in the debate club. Right. But it didn't super bother me in this movie because, you know, this movie has an agenda. And And also it's not like we know that much more about the male characters either. There's not like a massive imbalance. Like it's just the story doesn't tell you much about the teenagers outside of their sex lives and they across genders. And they all love horror movies. They, they all yeah. love horror movies. Insanely specific <laughs> knowledge. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Well, I like this movie. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's God a fun, damn it. I, I want you to see the, the other three. Let's wanna, watch them together. I, yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> uh, hey, does this movie pass the Bechdel test? Yards, uh huh, yeah, quite a few times between quite a few different combinations of characters. It passes between Sid and Tatum early on. Men get mentioned in this conversation, but there are two line exchanges that pass whenever Sid's like, "Hey, what's going on at our school?" and she's like, "Oh, some teens were killed that we know." There is a scene between Sydney and Gail where the whole thing passes, as far as I could tell. Oh, and I think Tatum is there too, where like she's like, get away from her, don't ask questions, this is none of your damn business, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah, so there's there's quite a few scenes where the movie passes the Bechdel test. Mm-hmm. It's good, impressively so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've talked about this before of the, you know, few horror movies we've covered that so far it seems like all of them pass and it's because horror movies have to be populated by many women so that they can get murdered yeah. but before they it's get murdered they talk to each other what a catch 22 <laughs> and they and they usually have to talk because of what's happening in the movie they probably have to talk about something besides a man right. they have to yeah. talk about hey did you yeah. hear about our our, our friend, friend. Uh, yeah. Sally getting yes. murdered she got yeah. snuffed yeah, my, guess, yeah. <laughs> my guess is all the Saw movies pass the Bechdel task and they all have like, which is so just what, another proof yeah. of the flawed metric yeah so what are we going to do about these traps <laughs> yeah. there's so many traps there a lot Christy. of knives in this room yeah. Christy Christy <laughs> agree don't, don't, don't put your hand in that needle pile Christy <laughs> oops my bee Passes. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, so let's rate the movie on our nipple scale, All right. where we rate it zero to five nipples based on its portrayal and representation of women. I'm going to give this one, I would say, a three, I suppose. I can go for three. Yeah, because we see the female characters being a bit more active and more motivated than they are in typical slasher movies. We don't see like the gratuitous nudity that we often see. We don't, while it does still align with some of the tropes, it also kind of redefines some of the tropes and it subverts some of them. So, you know, the whole final girl has to be innocent virgin type is kind of thrown out the window with this. Um, They save themselves at the end. There is parody between the number of men versus women who get attacked. So I think it it handles things better than, you know, the 70s and 80s slasher flicks that audiences had gotten accustomed to up until, you know, the uh, release of Scream. But as we also pointed out, there is no diversity in terms of race, in terms of identity and sexuality and body type and all of that stuff so it's still the story of young hot white women which a character like gail weathers continues to help sensationalize and right yeah yeah so it doesn't handle everything the best that it could but it's a step certainly in a better direction for slasher movies so yeah three nipples and i'm gonna give one to sydney i'm gonna give one to gail and i'm gonna throw one to our pal lillard lillard Oh, boy. I'm going to go for three as well. Um, We already discussed kind of it's mostly progress on a surface level Mm -hmm. in that it's a hetero white movie. Inside of the world, women have more agency than most popular horror movies up till this point. And I'm I'm sure seeing this movie in theaters was cathartic for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting to see uh, in a a horror movie two characters – Gail and Sydney, who are who don't just survive, they survive and they thrive. They th- thrive, and they co- and they like come together. Like yeah. I don't know if like there's a lot going on, like theme wise, there's a lot going on in Scream. But one of the thing, one of the light themes I took out of it is is oh, it is about how kind of media and society like work to like keep women at odds with each other because like, yeah. like the whole movie they're at odds with each other and at the end when she's like how about this story reporter like killed two asshole teenagers murderers and, and mm-hmm. Sydney's like I like that story mm-hmm. yeah it's like we always say yeah. people try to keep women fighting so because if we talk to each other then the scam is exposed yeah. right <laughs> uh, so so yeah I mean there's most of this movie is like Terrific, and it's definitely paved the way for uh, even more progressive work to be made, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and a bunch of weird, not great work. So, such yeah. as Scary Movie and yeah. that whole franchise. The cost of success. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, giving it three nippies. Of course, uh, going to toss this one to Lillard. Give him a full set. Where I'm going to kick one over to Casey because Drew Barrymore just mm-hmm. she belts it, mm. uh, and, and I'm going to give my last one to Gail. Yeah. Great. I might just for like nostalgia and being there factor, like I might bump it up to four. Oh, sure. Because okay. I totally agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, but 
I don't know. There was just being there for that movie at the time it was released, like in a giant crowded audience was like, it did feel like something special and it did feel like we were seeing something like, you know, progressive and cool and Mm -hmm. new. And like, I'll never like forget that experience of seeing, of like, you know, feeling that catharsis the first time I saw it in a theater. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is just me. I feel like looking back on it with like remembering like kind of what, horror was before that and kind of what Scream took it to but I, I can't help it like it, I, you know it, it is a very special movie to me for that sure, and yeah. uh, I'm gonna <laughs> give it I'm gonna give it one extra nipple for for, for that reason Woo. yeah and who would you like to give your nipples to oh um, I'm gonna give obviously Gail Obviously, Sydney. Um, I'm gonna like also throw on to Tatum just for that sure. ki- kick-ass move where she like slams the freezer door yeah. in Ghost yes. Ghost Face's face. Uh, um, my last nipple goes to. Can I give it to Sydney Gale team up at the end? Because yes. I fucking love that. A yeah. Mutual nip. Yeah, mm-hmm. they each get Shit. one extra half nip. Well, right. better luck next time, Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> yeah. No nips for you this time. No, nope. <laughs> he's only in so many movies. Yeah. So we gotta he's be in the Scream too, so yeah. we've got to watch it. <laughs> next maybe, year. Or maybe when you get to Son of Mask. Oh. oh. <laughs> There's, uh, that's like 20 years from now when we're really oh, we scraping l- for movies. Like, all right, here's the here's Son <laughs> of Mask episode. <laughs> oh, yikes. Oh, so just wait 20 years, Jamie. Yeah. And then... <laughs> And hopefully, you know, you'll be alive and thriving yeah. and uh, doing even more experiments. We Well, by that point, the two of us will be married and it'll be the Jamie Kennedy, <laughs> Jamie Kennedy experiment, experiment. Amazing. <laughs> Our awesome show. <laughs> uh, anyways. Well, Joan, thank you so yes. much for being thank here. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Blast. Yeah. I love going back to 96. Yay. Living my high school years. Oh, awesome. Where can people find you online? What would you like to plug? Um, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram as Joan Haley Ford. Other than that, I'm at UCB pretty frequently. And watch out for Yabba Dabba Dinosaurs and Thundercats Roar. And don't forget to be on the lookout also. Be alert and aware Alerts. for Paula Paula Blart. Kayla and I are gonna yeah. hit, hit. We're we're gonna go to a Starbucks right now and st- yeah. and start get taking story notes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you could set it at the Americana. <gasps> oh, uh, duh. The yeah, twist or, is it's an outdoor mall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, world's colliding. Oh, there's so much. There's so many more threads. It's outside. Yeah. It could rain. Yeah. Oh, Whoa. my God. Yeah. What's Paula Blart going to do in a snowstorm? Oh, God. Yeah. We're going to need a high budget. Yeah. We're going to have to make yeah. that snow real. It could be a, oh, yeah. Maybe it's a uh, geostorm crossover where there's uh, <laughs> some, some terrorist is, is causing a snowstorm in Southern California. Oh, I love this. Amazing. Yeah. We're well on our so way. So good. Okay. Draft one complete. Hey, for for great ideas like that, check us out on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at BechtelCast. Uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes. You can go to our merch store, tpublic.com slash TheBechtelCast. We've got all kinds of goodies, and you've you've got a few more days to get our Halloween Beetlejuice Ooh, get our, merch. Yeah, it's only on sale this month, our feminist icon Beetlejuice uh, fun ironic tea reference mm-hmm. to last year's episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, are you on team wet scabs or are you on team dry scabs? <laughs> a likely failing t-shirt design <laughs> will only be on sale for a few more days. Also, quick plug about our East Coast tour that we're going to be doing in early November. Starting on November 3rd, we're going to be in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. November 4th, we're going to be in Washington, D.C. And November 5th, we're going to be in New York City as a part of the New York Comedy Festival. 
For more details about the movies we're covering, our guests, the venues we'll be at, and how to get tickets, go to bechtelcast.com and go to our live appearances tab, and all the information will be there. You can also check our Twitter and Facebook. We'll be posting the links there. So if you live in or near any of those cities, we hope to see you there for our live shows. And finally, we've got a Patreon, a.k.a. Matreon, uh, that gets you two bonus episodes every single month, and it's only $5 a month. So subscribe to that by going to patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. And otherwise, um, you scream, I scream, we all scream for Scream. Scream franchise. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, bye. All right, love you, bye. Bye. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.